good, good, good morning, good morning, family. Uh, my name is uh, last name Lehong, as uh, I've already been introduced uh, by Reno, and I have the privilege of sharing with us the word of the Lord this morning. And I just want to uh, thank Reno for this opportunity, and thank you guys for coming through. Uh, we'll be reading, well, the text for this uh, morning is based on the book of Acts, Acts 5, uh, meaning that we have been through this uh, for a while now. We have had about the 10th week in actual fact that we're talking about the book of Acts. Um, you are free to, if, if, you know, you're free to go back to our YouTube channels and you'll be able to find all the messages that we have preached thus far, which culminate in my me standing here in front of you this morning. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, Lesero came here and he was preaching, and afterwards I called him aside and I said, I think it's high time that we have a rule in the church that um, we stop abusing the pulpit by talking about a certain Premier League team which happens... <laughs> to wear a blue jersey. And I see that I've got a friend of mine who is here who is also a supporter of that particular team. Hashtag only out, just saying. Uh, for those who are not into soccer and don't understand soccer references, don't worry, Mr. Lee got you covered. I'll also bring in some rugby. <laughs> so the, the message for this evening will be titled Stand Your Ground. And if you have, you know, what we have read through now, understand that the apostles were, to a large extent, being persecuted for what they believed in, for who they believed in, for what they were talking about, for who they were preaching about. And they stood their ground despite being held at them. And it's an analogy that I think I can bring with uh, me as a rugby player uh, to say that there are times where, you know, here's a wing, meaning that I'm pretty much a small guy compared to the rest of the forwards. And sometimes we'll be standing there um, covering for the full back, uh, and then there is a prop coming or a, who is like 1.9 meters tall and weighs around 140, 150 kg, coming at you at full speed. You've got a choice. Are you going to stand your ground and down, or which you might try to do and then he runs over you? Or are you going to say, what can I take out of him that will bring him down? Which is what I normally do. I don't, you know, get several injuries from, from my attempt of tackling those big guys to the extent that now I don't go to try and, you know, bring them down. I just go for one thing on them. Just hold one leg. Without the legs, they cannot run. <laughs> so, yeah, with, with that being said, let us, the, the, the plan for this, for this morning is to try and see what does the scripture say and what does it mean? And with what does it say, therefore, to us as human beings? What does it say to us? Now, we are reading, we just read from uh, verse 12, which talked about how great miracles were being performed, which, how no one else dared to join them, uh, join the apostles or join the family at that particular point in time. And one would ask, but why, 
went people seeking to join them. And you remember last week when Lenny was preaching here, he spoke about two people who lied in the church and everybody else saw the power of God at work. Now imagine you are here for the first time in church and then we say things, somebody comes here and things which are not necessarily true and God exposes that particular person. Not only exposes them, but cuts them down. They fall down and die right in front of you. Then you would understand how serious this God that you're talking about is. You would understand that I don't want to mess up with this God. So meaning if I go to these particular individuals and start talking to them, I might be found out of the things that I am hiding. So I'll step back a bit, which is the reason why no one dared to join them because the commitment that is required in you believing in the God that you're believing in, it is not the commitment that is just, oh, today, today is warm, tomorrow is cold. You've got to get to a place where when you say, I believe in God, and indeed you believe in God, indeed you stand to that belief. Indeed you hope to that belief. Even when it hurts sometimes. But you say, I am going to hold on. And that is the reason why they were scared and they never dared to join them. But here is the other thing. It says that even they no one dared to join them, they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord. Now, the CB, CSB version says, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord. They were not being added to the apostles. They were not being added to the church. They were being added to the Lord. Meaning, therefore, that what the apostles were doing were not pre preaching about to them, but they were saying, go to the Lord. And everybody else was being added to the Lord. And that is the thing. Imagine every single time that we stand here to preach, it is not about people coming to this particular auditorium. It's not about people coming to fill the church. It's not about seeing too many people or even wanting uh, to a, a bigger place, but wanting to see people's lives changed for the glory of the Lord. Wanting to see people changed, being called to the glory of the Lord. And I believe that is what we stand for as well as Fellowship City. We don't want people to come to the church. No, we want people to believe in the Lord. We want people to go. And that is what we are calling everyone to do. Go to the Lord. Don't come to us. If you want to speak, speak to us. If you want to be directed towards the Lord, help, let us help you. But the, the purpose of us being here is to call you, not to us, not to the church, but to the Lord. Go to the Lord. Don't come to us. Believers were added to the Lord, not to the church and not to a person or, or movement or even a, a, an event, to God himself. He is the one who added the multitude. Now we look from that the people went and some believed that they would be healed, or the people that were sick would be healed. As a result, the people brought the sick into the streets and on the bed and mats, that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them. As he passed by, the crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick 
tormented by evil spirit and those and many of them, all of them, it doesn't say many of them, I beg your pardon. It says all of them were healed. Now you see, people were so convinced of the reality on, and the power of what the Christian in. They thought they could be healed by the mere touch of Peter's shadow. Now does it mean therefore that Peter's shadow did have power? Does it mean that Peter's shadow had the power to heal people? It may sound crazy, that one could be healed by the touch of a shadow. But look, but we know uh, a touch of Jesus' cloth healed a woman with the issue of blood. And what does the scripture say on that particular issue? Do we have that scripture here? Luke uh, 8, I'm not sure, I don't think we have. Yeah, there it is. And a woman was there who had been subjected to the bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately the bleeding stopped. It was the touch to, the, to Jesus that immediately stopped the bleeding. And if you go to verse uh, 6, someone touched me. I know the power has gone out of me. Then the woman, seeing that she could, she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell on his, pre- on his feet. In the presence of all people, she told why she him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You see, when you believe in Christ, and I believe also that there are some of us and most of us at one point believed in Christ for something, so much so that we knew that it was bound to happen. It is about to happen. It is about, not because we knew that somebody was going to do something, but because we had faith in Christ. It is that faith that materializes things that are unseen. It is that belief in Christ that makes things happen. It is that faith that moves. So these particular individuals here who believe that the shadow of Peter, it wasn't the shadow that would heal, but it was the faith that they had. It was the faith that they had. Now, you see, for you to have that kind of faith, there needs to be something that you're standing on. There needs to be your faith needs to be built on something. Now the question is, what is your belief built on? What are you standing on? What is it that is holding you tight, that is anchoring you to say that, I know my God is going to for me. What are you basing your belief on? What are you holding on to? It is that faith that materializes. It is that faith that brings a seed germinates into becoming a tree, a tree that bears fruits, fruits that, that give life. It is that seed. But, but you also see something else also here, that these people outside Jerusalem to come to Peter and the apostles, to, to come to the apostles and receive that particular um, healing, which if you look back, we remember that in, in, we are told, and, and I believe Reno did a pretty good work at it, uh, in, I think it was, was it the first or the second uh, uh, sermon on, on Acts, apostles were told that you need, you'll be filled with it, and then you'll be in Jerusalem, and then you will need to leave Jerusalem, go to other places. But here we see that the people were left other places and came to Jerusalem, which is not what God commanded, which is not what Christ commanded. 
Meaning, therefore, that they became comfortable in Jerusalem by seeing the acts and, and the miracles that were happening. But that, to a large extent, put disobedience. That the apostles were not fully immersed and fully doing what they were called to. And if he said that place where you get comfortable with the places that you are in at times, that God moving you and prompting you to be obedient. If you don't believe me, ask Jonah. He will tell you. <laughs> Verse 17. Then the high priest and all, the, and, and, and all his associates were members of the party of the Sadducees. Now, what are the Sadducees? Who are the Sadducees? Well, in those times, the Sadducees were the people who were teachers of the law. They did not believe in any acts of miracles, believe in anything supernatural. There's, it was like you know, what scientists would say that you know, if you mix one and one, the two, I don't know if you get 11 or... But, but, but this was like, the law says this, and it's like this. There is nothing supernatural that happens. That is what they believed in. But what we see here is that they were also jealous because what the apostles were doing. The act and the fact that um, many people now believed and followed the apostles. But the question is, why were they jealous? When, when they did not believe in of Christ, nor believe in the angels. But here we also see God's sense of humor as we read further to see that they put the apostles in prison and then an angel released them from prison. Now, if you don't believe in angels, how do you explain the fact that these people are out of prison, the prison gates are still locked, the guards are still there saying, we were denied, nothing happened, but there is no one inside the prison. It can only be the work of the angels, but we don't believe in the supernatural. So how do you explain that? How do you explain that? This is how God sometimes just brings a sprinkle of sense of humor to say, okay, you don't believe in me, let me show myself, and you explain it. Now, see, their rescue from prison was a wonderful for a purpose. So they could continue to do God's work. God did not free them primarily for their own safety or comfort. They were set free for a reason. And after this, not always delivered. They were set free so that they can free others. Which also brings me to this understanding that sometimes you are blessed to be a blessing. Strengthen others. That our lives is not our own, but we're living for Christ. But everything that we do must always be for the glory of Christ. You see, sometimes we look at it and we see how Christ, how the angel came and freed them. And we might at times believe that every time that we find ourselves in a fix, then God is going to come and free us. And indeed, might come, but we need to be open to the fact that there are times wherein he may not come. And it does not necessarily mean that he loves us any less, but it is always for a purpose. Because if you look at uh, the later history of the apostles and others so, um, with them in the early church, it shows that you know, God delivered in 
them in most of the times through miraculous um, act, but sometimes he does not. According to a fairly reliable church history and tradition, angels did not always deliver them. We, we, we continue to see that Matthew was eventually beheaded, that Mark died in Alexandria after being dragged through the streets of the city, and that Luke was hanged in a tree in Greece, that John died a natural death, but they unsuccessful, unsuccessfully tried to boil him in oil. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. James was beheaded in Jerusalem. James, uh, the less, uh, was thrown from a height, height uh, that uh, I had then beaten with clubs. So what, what I'm trying to show you here is that there are times wherein this particular same individual at, at some point saved miraculously. There were times or their eventual demise did not necessarily reflect that God came through but they were martyrs. Because of their death, because of them standing strong, faith, they died standing strong without willing to compromise. And those deaths urged other Christians to believe on. We get to see that the train of God that's explained in Acts 1 continues moving. That people can come and try to stop the work of God God's work will never be stopped by a human being. God's work will continue no matter what you as, a, as an individual want. Now, after they were freed, as 21 says, verse 21, at daybreak they entered the temple cause, um, as they had been told by the and began to teach the people. Now, this remarkable obedience and boldness, if this, this was remarkable uh, uh, obedience and boldness. If they were not sure them to continue their public t- the word from the angel at Acts 5.20 made it clear that they were to continue. That is why they were freed, to continue with the work of the Holy Spirit. Now if you jump to faith, we see that it says that when this is when the, 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 the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the elders are talking, that we gave you strict instructions, teaching to, not to teach in the name. They had commanded Peter, John to no longer, Peter and John to no longer teach uh, in the name of Jesus. We see that in Acts 4, 17 to 18, and Lesero did a pretty good job of showing how when they were being persecuted, still they held on and still they said, we want to teaching about this particular name because we have seen the miraculous power that comes with this particular name. Yet Peter and John openly told them that they would continue in obedience to God. So this is what we see, that it was not the first time here of the apostles being told, stop. And it was not the first time the apostles coming up and saying, I'm not going to stop because I know. I have experienced the touch. And if I've experienced the touch of God, you cannot stop. Tell me to stop talking about what I've experienced, what I have seen, what I have felt. Because I have felt it, and I know it, and I know it to be true. I know it, and I know it in every aspect of my body. Every cell in my, in, in, in my body testifies of who I am talking about. That is what we know. Verse 29, this is the boldness that comes from Peter. Peter and other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. 
You see, the fear of God must always supersede fear of men. God must be God of all aspects of our lives. We need to remember that this is the very same Peter who at one point denied any knowledge of who Jesus Christ was. But you see, attached by God, by the power of God. Once the Holy Spirit descends on you, then you know. You cannot stop it. The boldness that comes from Christ. Even though now I can see that the point where you, what everything is pointing to is my death, but still I will testify until you stop me from speaking by killing me. But otherwise, I will not stop. Stop talking. Which then takes me to a point where we can see other people who stood their ground, who understood who they were. Who that in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 and 18. Shadrach, Meshach would say, it's Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad nigger. <laughs> uh, I beg your pardon if uh, it's out of context. Uh, but but here, here, here's what it says. Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad nigger replied, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But here's the important part that we need to understand. The acceptance of who God is. The acceptance of understanding that my life is not but my life belongs to God. He says, but even if he does not, we want you to know this one thing. We want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold that you have set up. They understood the ground upon which they stood on. To say that you can kill us if you want to kill us, but you're not going to bow down to anyone else. We only bow down to the one true God that we know is that they are not willing to compromise to say I am going to go down on my knees but deep inside I'll be praying to my God no that opportunity arose and I think most of us if we think about it kill me if I don't bow to your statue but who is to know if I bow who am I, what actually I'm saying inside they could be saying okay let me just my knee Lord of all creation, though they say that I must bow to the statue, I just want you to know that I'm actually not bowing to the statue, but I'm bowing to you, Lord. You know, most of us could have thought about that, and on the outside it appeared that we are bowing to the statue. But they were saying, I am not willing to compromise. I am going to stand strong on what we believe in. I'm not going to bow down to any other God or any other statue. I'm only bowing down to my the God, my Redeemer. That is the only God that I bow down to and no one else. You want to kill me? Kill me. Because I'm bowing down to, not, to nothing. I'm not going to compromise. I am standing here. This is the ground upon the knowledge that he is the only God. The knowledge that he's the only one that warrants me taking my knees for. Bowing down to God. Only him. And you go, it doesn't end there. Even Daniel uh, 6, 10, 10. Daniel 6, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Right? Yes, that is the one. You'd know this is when there were people who were jealous of Daniel and how 
reversed by the king. And they wanted him out, but they knew one thing of him, that he does not compromise. And because he doesn't compromise, the only way for them to eliminate him is to make sure that he compromises or knowing that he won't compromise, then have him killed. Now Daniel learned that the decree had been published. The decree was that no one else must bow down, must pray to any other god except the king. Upon learning that, he went home and to his upstairs room where the window opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he went down to his knees and he prayed thanks to God, just as he had done before, saying, throw me in the lion's den, but my God whom I serve will come through for me. And even if he doesn't come through for me, the lions may have their fist. And by God's grace, for that night, the lions became vegetarians. You see, when we look at verse 30, then we see people to testify about who God is. Who God is. Because he says in verse 30 that the God of our forefathers raised Jesus from the dead. Whom, that is after him saying that we will not bow down to any. He's saying the God of our forefathers raised Jesus Christ from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging on the tree. Now here, we do, from verse 32 to verse 32, see Peter preaching to his tormentors, meaning that, therefore, that in every situation, there is an opportunity for you to preach the gospel. Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, if only you are open, you will see the opportunity, the gospel. No matter how dire the situation might seem, the opportunity is always there for you to preach the gospel. Now, we will see as we read further that there is a man called Gamaliel who spoke and convinced the Pharisees and the Sadducees about not to kill, not to kill uh, the apostles. Uh, um, you, you would see that after Peter preached or testified, they said, you see, they were so angry that they wanted to kill them. It, it reminds me of, a, of, of, there was a point in time, I don't know, I don't remember the exact details, but I know this, that it happened. I don't know what it was, but I know it happened. So here's the thing. There's a friend of mine uh, at, at Varsity that uh, he was my accountability partner. And, and I had this guy that I don't know why, but he just did not like me. And I had not spoken to him. I had not done anything to him. I don't know why he didn't like me. And, and those that know me, they know that I love peace. You know, living peaceably with those that are around me. But I could not get this guy to just, you know, have a conversation with me. And just me get, to, get me to understand what is it that I have done to him. I just couldn't. And I went to this friend of mine and I told him that I don't know what is happening here. And, 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 and then the guy said, friend said, you know, sometimes things happen and we don't understand them. And at times it could be that the God, the Christ in you, always irritates the devil in others. Now, some we will not be liked. And it is okay if we are not being liked because, not because we know you're, you're just, we've just been rude to other people. But if the Christ in you is the one that irritates the devil in others, so be it. The Christ apostles irritated the devil 
in the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Let the Christ in you shine. And the enemy may not necessarily be happy. And torment might befall you. But if it is because of the Christ in you, then embrace it. Celebrate it. Now, Gamaliel spoke. And because of his speech, the apostles were nearly flogged and left. And most of the time we look at Gamaliel's speech, we say, man, even God will use people within your midst. But you see, Gamaliel was not a He was a Pharisee, meaning that he believed in the miracles. He had seen the miracles of Christ. What more did he need to convince him that these people were working for Christ? What did he need? See, Gamaliel spoke for himself and not for God. There are many movements that maybe seem and be considered successful in their light, in the, in the sight of men, but are actually against God's truth. Success in its is not the ultimate measure of truth. Success itself is not the ultimate measure of truth. Because that is what Gamaliel was saying, that if it is successful, then it must be from God. If it is not successful, it must be from God. Gamaliel was actually a fence setter. He was lukewarm, which is something that we as Christians ought not to be. He spoke as if they should wait and see, and, and the apostles were really from God. But what greater testimonies did he need beyond Jesus' resurrection and the apostles' miracle? He took a wait-and-see attitude when there was plenty of evidence. You see, in verse 41, we see that the apostles were flogged. They were beaten. And they thought that, the leaders thought that they could intimidate and the apostles with the beating. Instead, they left rejoicing. The apostles left rejoicing. They were not rejoicing that they suffered, but that they were, con- con- they were counted worthy the shame for his name. It was a privilege to be associated with Jesus in circumstances, even to suffer shame. Now, you see, everything that this challenges each and every one of us as the followers of Christ. Because, you see, the apostles continued where we may have stopped. We often find, us, uh, find the threat of social rejection to make us quiet about Jesus, about who Jesus is and what he did for us. We need to have the apostles' courage and determination to stand firm for Christ. What a shameful thing it is that while we are bold about everything else, we are cowardly about Jesus Christ. Brave for the world, but coward for Christ. I have a friend, a very good friend of mine. He is a graphic designer. In conclusion, he has a company called uh, Truth. Truthian Consulting, and company had been in operation since 2006. He had opportunities, several opportunities to, to get tenders, and he would be set. Um, he, would be, he would be like set. But the conditions that came with his company, 
his graphic design company getting those particular tenders meant that he would have to pay some kickbacks. But he stood his ground. His company suffered. He hustled. His company suffered. He refused to pay any bribes. He refused to pay any kickbacks. His company suffered. To, to this, when he applies for tenders, they tell him that, what do you have for us? And he says, I've got my qualifications. I've got my expertise. I, that, that is what I bring. And they say, but no. And then he says, no. He stands his ground all the time. His company suffers. He's not willing to compromise on his beliefs. He's not willing to compromise his standing. And because of that, he is suffering. But he's holding on. And God is continuously, continuously blessing him. It trickles down. It may not be as big as it would have been if he paid the bribes. As people would say that, you know, God doesn't only give with a hand. Sometimes he kicks bribe when they compromise. He refused to compromise. And because of his refusal, he has suffered greatly. His family has suffered greatly. But he's standing tall. He's holding on. He's standing his ground. Pool. Try to have him compromise. He's refusing to compromise. And because of that, his company has suffered. Because of that, his family has suffered. But he's not willing to let go. He's not compromise. How many of us would compromise when we see the possibility of the soft life? How many of us would let go of, the, what we, of what we believe in and compromise? You see, we have a redefinition of sin. We have started mimicking the world and find ourselves accepting what the world accepts, even though we know what the truth is, the truth that is in the Bible. We are now practicing what we see in the have brought it into the church. Whereas the world needs to see what is happening in the church and mimic it. But we have redefined it. We are not, we are not willing to speak the truth because of fear of being cut. Because we don't want to be cancelled. We compromise in our relationships. We, 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 we have let go of, 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 of the principle of purity in our relationships. We, we don't even talk about sex before marriage within the relationship context. Because we, 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 don't, we want to be accepted. We want to be seen not to be treading and stepping on other people's feet. We are not speaking the truth anymore. We are accepting things that we ought not to be accepting. We, 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 have, we have accepted infidelity within the church. We are okay with that. Yet we know what the truth says. Yet we have perverted the word of God because of our compromise, because of our need to be accepted, because we want more people in the church. We no longer speak in the truth. And I believe Christ is saying to us, even though they might want to counsel you, even though they might not want to accept you and embrace you, let not the truth spoken. Speak the truth at all times. Speak the truth at all times. It means that I may have to suffer, even if it means that I may, my comfort life would necessarily not be there anymore. But I need to stand my ground. I need to speak the truth even if it, even if it hurts me. I need, not, I need not compromise the values that I am holding in Christ. 
I need to be able to stand tall. Even though I'm able, but I'm not going to compromise. Even though I may not be looked at the same, but I'm not willing to compromise the truth that I know. I'm not going to stop preaching the truth. I want to be liked. I must not stop speaking the truth. I must stand my ground at all times. You're driving on the road. You get stopped by a traffic official. He tells you that you've been driving 120, 30, or 140, or 160, and he tells you that the traffic fine for this would be amount to about 1,000 or 1,500 rands. But we can do something about it. Just give me something to buy a cold drink. And you're looking at it, you know, saying, I'm in a hurry. Uh, let me just give him 50 rands or 20 rands and, you know, he lets me go. You're compromising on the principle that you're standing on. Compromising on what you're not supposed to be compromising on. We cannot be scared of speaking the truth, of being cancelled. Because it'd be known that something then, you know, social media will go crazy and you might end up losing your job because of speaking the truth. If that is the price of speaking the truth, can you just let it be? If that is a price that you need to pay, just let it be. Um, a, a couple of, two weeks ago, I had a, I had a guy at, at, at our place uh, fixing our, our gutters. And as, as I was going to drop him after... He had provided the services, and then he looks at my at the palisade on my gate. Says that, you know, yeah, I think we need the next project that you need to do is to paint the palisades, and don't worry about getting paint. Um, I, 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 you know, I do work, I, I do main. So whenever I'm called to go do work, and my boss buys paint, I will just, you know, every now and then take two liters, and and, and then I'll come and and we will, you know, we'll do it. Don't worry, I'll not even charge you for the paint. And I looked at him and I said, no, don't worry about paint already. Indeed, I do have paint. I wasn't lying to him. You know, I said, no, I've got paint already. But you see, imagine, this thing happened most of the time, that you go to a shop, a store, where you find somebody, an assistant, and um, he, he, you look at what you're looking for, and then he tells you, because the bosses are not there, that, you know, this ordinarily charge, you know, it goes around uh, 770, but, you know, we can give me 400 and I can give it to you, you know, afterwards. If you don't say anything to him, he's going to take it out, you know, whatever ways he does. And most of the time you look at it and say, hey, spending 700 can save the 350. What are the principles that you're standing on? What ground are you standing on? How many of us are compromising on a daily basis just so we can save a little back here, just so we can get a smile there? How many of us are compromising? I'm reminded of a speech by Nelson Mandela um, when he was at the trial. I think we have it here. This is what he said. Now, Dorima, I have dedicated myself to this struggle of the African, to the struggle, to this struggle of African people. I have fought against white domination. And I have fought against black domination. I almost got the air to try and mimic his voice, but I won't do it. <laughs> I have cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. It is an ideal 
which I hope to live for and to achieve. But if needs be, it is an ideal for which I am prepared to die. Is, there, is, is this faith that we are believing in? Is this hope that we are holding on? Is it something that we, this is what I'm holding on to? And it is something that I am willing to die for. This faith. This belief. I am not willing to compromise it. If need be, then take me out. He had a conviction. He understood what he stood for. And he understood what ground he was standing on. We are standing on the ground of Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we know what he expects of us. One of the guys that I look, I look up to in the legal fraternity is our former Chief Justice, Mokweng Mokweng. You can see him here, kneeling down in Parliament. And this caused a stir. People, are, people were saying that he is imposing his religious beliefs on the nation. They were saying that we are a secular nation as South Africa. He's too tall for what he lived in. He was disliked for what he believed in. For the ground, for the Christ that, that, he, that he knows, he never was willing to compromise. Even to this day, he's not willing to compromise. He was outwards pronouncing the blood of Jesus. What are we willing to hold on to? What ground on? The ground that we are standing on will determine whether you're going to stand or fall. Some of us are standing on quicksand and saying that I'm standing on firm ground, but yet we are still sinking. Understand the ground that you're standing on. Understand the principles upon which you're not willing to compromise. We need to stand our ground, no matter the cost. We cannot afford to compromise our faith for whatever reason. The price might seem to be high, but Jesus has already paid the ultimate price. Willing, be willing to put your body on the line. No matter the cost. Stand your ground. Or are you one of those who do not need to be persecuted for the sake of the gospel because you're not saying to anyone about the gospel? Where are you standing? What ground is it that you're standing on? In conclusion, let me just uh, quote a little uh, some of the things that... Uh, the commands that I believe Christ has said to us that we need to stand on. In Mark 18, 20, Jesus said that gather in my name. In Luke 9, in Luke 9 he says, go out and announce the kingdom of God. In Luke 10, 9, he says, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come. This reminds me of a friend of mine who may not be here. Uh, this morning, the other day, he, he during the lockdown, he had pasted a sticker on his car, says that the kingdom of heaven is at is near. Repent. Imagine, you know, you know those big sticker on his car on the door. He was saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. It is something that most of us will not be willing to do because we wet and shunned upon. 
But he stood his ground. He understood the ground that he's standing on. He understood the ground that he's standing on. Do we understand the ground that we're standing on? Do we understand that we're standing on? Are we willing to compromise or are we unwilling to compromise because we understand the ground upon which we're standing? Heavenly Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we, we come to you this one. We thank you, Father God, for who you are. We thank you, Father God, that you have spoken. And I pray right now, Father God, as the words that have been spoken here, Lord God, may they stir up, O oh, Father God, in our hearts. May they stir up the passion for your name, O oh, Father. That even if it's in situations and moments where it might seem justified to compromise on our faith, Lord God, that you may stand tall. Lord God, that you may hold on, O oh, Father God, to this faith and not be willing to compromise. For we stand on your truth. May we stand on the truth of who you are, oh my God. No matter the cost, oh Father God, may you hold on. Give us the courage and the boldness that you have given upon Peter and the apostles, oh Father God. That even in the face of death, oh Father God, they still stood their ground and they said, we will not stop preaching. We will not stop speaking about this God, about this Jesus that you have killed, but God Almighty has risen from the death. Here we are, O oh Father God, this morning. We say, Lord God, where we have lost the passion, O oh Father God, for your name, Lord, we pray that may you stir it up again. Stir it up in our hearts, O oh Lord. Stir it up in our hearts, O oh Father God, the passion for your name, the passion to honor you, the passion to live righteously, O oh Father God, the passion, O oh Father God, that our words and our style, O oh Father God, may continue to testify of your greatness of who you are, O oh Father. And I pray, O oh Father God, that may you give us the courage to go, O oh Father God, and where, where, where we have turned, Father God, and forgotten how to seek you, that may we seek you again, O oh Father. May we feel you again, Lord. May we hear you again. May that light, O oh Father God, that may have gone, Father God, in our hearts, be reignited, O oh Father that we stand tall again, Lord Father, that we stand on the truth of who you are, the truth of the resurrected Christ, that Father God of the living God. We pray this in the name of our Lord and our Savior. Amen.